I think games offer a unique opportunity as a medium to create experiences that really invite the player to bring their own experience and therefore their own interpretation to the game. It's about expanding the spectrum of what video game can provide as, as a medium. We thought if we would be able to help to grow this medium, we need to present to the world that games can be about these feelings. They can provide these emotions. I had read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand, and I enjoyed it. It certainly made an interesting impression on me. The goal was, at the beginning, it's like, let's take these notions of, these philosophical notions, and put them in a world where things can go off track, potentially. An odd world was always supposed to be this sort of dark side of globalization reflecting the real world. I think gaming is unlike any other medium in the sense that you can engage an individual's undivided attention for hours at a time and embody the main character making choices, taking action. I mean, this is, this is what makes gaming such a powerful medium. It's a tool through which you can see the world through another person's eyes. Greetings everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Interactive Artistry, dedicated to showcasing and celebrating the work of creators who are on the forefront of adding emotional, psychological, intellectual and philosophical depth, dimensions and maturity to the interactive medium, also known as games. I am your regular host Albert, and today I am joined by my co-host, Silverlin Cosplay, aka my sister, Valentina. How are you doing, Tina? Good, how are you? Very good, very good. This is an oldie but a goodie, right? The very first um, Love at First Play for um, Interactive Artistry, our second sub-series, which has now, as we speak, having its uh, amazing debut and no better game than... Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story. So good. Amazing. But uh, I'll crack on with the rest of the intro and um, we'll dive straight in. Okay, so for our new listeners, through Interactive Artistry and all of its other title-specific shows, including Death Stranding Podcast, Fumito Ueda Podcast, and God of War Podcast, and The Shadow Dome, our mission is to create a dedicated space for extending this unique medium the respect, dignity, and legitimacy as a creative and storytelling powerhouse that it rightly deserves. Far from just being another outlet for distraction, recreation, or competition, games are a true art form unlike any other, the only one in fact that, like life itself, is an interactive experience. This unique aspect gives them the potential for unprecedented levels of intimacy, resonating with the very core of what it means to be human. In short, we believe games are the most worthwhile and effective form of art and entertainment ever, and every week on this show, we chronicle their growth in the form of news, breakdowns, analyses, and more. With that regular rundown out of the way, Let's get the show started. Okay, so where to begin, where to begin? Uh, Valentina, first of all, 
um, catch me up on how your part, like your week has been in just sort of the sphere of interactive gaming, cosplay, because I know obviously Silverland cosplay, that's what you do. Just the past week, how, how has that been? The past week um, has been pretty busy with real world stuff, actually, so okay. I haven't gotten a chance to, to do much. Well, this will be fun then, you I've know? been reliving Vagrant Story Yay. and it's been activating my nostalgia quite a bit. <laughs> your, your nostalgia gland is now yes <laughs> is now raised. Okay, cool. Raised. Good lord. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's amazing how you know when you play something or you know you re watch you know you watch something that you used to watch as a kid or grew up with, and it just kind of hits that particular part of your brain, and you're like, Ding, I, I remember know. that. Exactly. That, that brings me right back. Mm. Um, yeah, but anyway, in terms of uh, Silverland cosplay stuff, um, I'm currently working on a few cosplays um, for Supernova cool. 2018 in Sydney. Nice. And uh, speaking of nostalgia, I'm currently reliving my card game Hell Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if anyone else remembers that show, but <laughs> it involves a lot of crazy hair, possession, ancient Egypt, and uh, of course, card games. Um, a good sphere of our listeners will probably be familiar with that, and uh, I myself <laughs> am, obviously, from all of our little Karibo offs that we've had, you know, those are marathons we've done. With, uh, um, yes. with, uh, I'm going to tease her as an eventual guest, uh, your, one of your good friends, Melinda, who will oh. be joining us for the uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, retrospective slash looking ahead um, uh, 13 years to the day, exactly, um, uh, sorry, to the year, exactly, from... Uh, since uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 and that's my prediction actually uh, um, for a little another extra tease a tease within a tease teaseception um, is that uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 I believe it'll come out on the 22nd of December this year because mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts 2 came out on the 22nd of December 13 years ago organization 13 it's Ooh. too it's too good for the timing uh, oh games Tradamus here he is uh, oh prediction tastic oh Rama oh. there we go oh I'm free oh. now. <laughs> That's a, a mixture of the uh, G.I. Joe PSAs, which is, oh, I can give you a body massage. and uh, No one's going to get that reference. No, of course they will. <laughs> of course they will. And um, Collective and, mind. Yes, collective mind. Games. Oh, amazing. Okay, cool. Um, and I forgot the other one, but um, once I'm listening back to the episode, it'll, it'll occur to me and I'll just like message you at like 2 a.m. in the morning and be like, this was the one. But any, yeah. anyway. Anyway, so now that's good to hear, and 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 in fact, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about um, the importance of, as you say, like real life stuff gets in the way. Um, but what I love about what you do with your cosplay is that it is a way that you literally, in a very literal sense, like you're putting the clothing on, like you are directly connecting with uh, this material, and like you've shown me your Tales cosplays, you know, from Tales from I think it was Vesperia, was it? Tales of Symphonia. Tales of Symphonia, and also. Tales of the Abyss yeah. and Tales of Asperia, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Tales-tastic. And we sort of talk a little bit here on just the idea of, you know, um, so where, where games exist in the sort of spectrum of art and the sphere of art, I believe they're on the forefront of art because unlike any other medium, interactive medium... It's interactive um, art. Yeah, yeah. Life itself is interactive. We make choices throughout our day. No other medium, like you sit down to listen to an album or um, play a... Uh, sorry, as in like um, watch a TV series or watch a movie, the 
the only choice really involved is just you press play and that's it and for the rest it's passive but mm. um, you know you can really leverage like that really that's what I say at the top of all these shows about like how how closely resonating it is um, you know the medium of uh, you know the art form of, of games um, to the to like live like life itself you know and you can really leverage that um, to deliver like the most impactful beautiful emotionally resonant and uh, intellectually stimulating and, and just like philosophically intriguing experiences because they directly connect with what like what it means to be human so um that's kind of yeah the the vibe uh with with, with this sort of place here that i've slowly I've been building with a few folks from around the world and um this is uh listeners this is um silverland's first uh, appearance on on the network and it had to be with this sub-series because i was like this is how you were saying gamestradamus before but <laughs> it, it really fits for you to be on this uh, show because you're my sister. Literally, uh, we've exactly right. So, Love at First Play is the games. Uh, it's just what you fell in love with, and um, and I fell in love head over heels with with Vagrant Story. I have um, a, a couple of a couple of little riffs on on it. Um, uh, well, that's an understatement. I have like we're going to dedicate this whole episode to it. But um, yeah, there's a, quite a bit of reminiscence that I want to kind of dive into with you. But um, I think there's no better uh, sort of because you're our guest um i know no better place to start than what was your sort of first encounter with um vagrant story and um and what is yeah what, like what, what is your earliest vagrant story memory essentially mm, okay earliest vagrant story memory is actually playing the game uh, back when we were little nippers yeah we were in Ascoli we were little nippers we were, exactly. with your know, very appropriate Cockney accent for our Italian <laughs> background. <laughs> Italian backstory. Pic piccoli nipper. <laughs> piccoli nipper. No, never mind. Um, yeah, basically, when we were um, we were playing Vagrant Story after we bought it from a store called. Mille Carote, I, I think I think it was Mille Carote, although there was two different stores. One was actually selling things like action figures, and I think that was Mille Carote. Yeah. And then there was another one. And then there was an adjacent store yeah. that was video games, anyway. So, mm -hmm. you know, we were already quite, you know, um, gaming was quite a big hobby for both of us. Uh, and usually we'd play, you know, one person would play the game, like you'd play the game, and I would sort of you know drive drive from the back seat yeah and we swapped around as well and you know i sort of swap between being driver and navigator i suppose mm -hmm. um a lot and you know that's the way we played magic the gathering as well and it is how oh, we uh, the game. played um <laughs> the Reaver as well. game. we're yes. not cheating at card games okay yeah yeah no it's all good <laughs> but, that's uh, right. yeah. but anyway um yeah so we were little and maybe what 10 11 yeah, that's right. Well, we were we were we were tiny. It was uh, late '90s, so I think I believe '1998 or something like that. Uh, yeah. And this game came out, I think, in 2000, like literally the year 2000. Uh, well, I'll have to do a quick little check there. Um, I'll st I'll stay off the keyboard so it's not like tappy tappy in the listeners' ears. But uh, yeah, very good story. I believe it was 1999. Very good story. Two yeah, so, okay, maybe we're... Yeah, two, tenth, of, tenth of February 2000. So we would have been, um, uh, yeah, this is Ascoli Piceno. And, okay, yep. Yep, that's the one, yeah. So well, please continue. Yeah, so um, Ascoli Piceno, we lived in a... Um, we lived in a place that uh, pretty much reminded us... It's Leamond. You know, we lived in Leamond. We, we lived in Leamond, people. We did. Um, but, you know, playing these video games that were um, immersed in this... In history, political drama, and um, you know, magic and everything, and it just, you know, living in um, 
living in Italy in a place oh, that yeah. still had a lot of medieval and Gothic architecture and Renaissance architecture, it really kind of made you feel like you were living in the game a little bit. Yeah, Gothic, um, Baroque, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, kind of. Um, yeah, it was it was nice to also see a game that was so different, I suppose, to what we had played before. So you know, we had both played Final Fantasy seven and eight, um, uh, also Zelda. Oh no, Zelda not yet, but uh, we had also played. You know, I guess we had played action. We played strategy. We played, like, we yeah, played nothing like you know, Big and Story. Like, but like we played, um, uh, you know, Medieval. Um, yeah, Medieval. Played, and like Banjo Kazooie and like Crash Bandicoot and Mario a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, nothing. You know, platform adventure puzzles. Like we had played all of these different types, and Vagrant Story was one of the rare games that I've seen blend all those different types of game together. It's, um, yeah. And it's quite unique that way. That game, but uh, really you is. know. Um, yeah, and I guess the 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 soundtrack is so rich for such an early game, mm. and um, you oh know the gosh. art, the the back the art that's um, yeah by that Akihiko, surrounds that game by Akihiko Yoshida who did the yeah. art and uh, art direction for um, Final Fantasy XII, which is, it is basically the uh, eldest sibling of because um, when that one rolled around in two thousand and six. Um, a lot of the team, including the com including the composer um, from Final Fantasy, from Vagrant Story, worked on Final Fantasy XII. So, and then everything was tied up, tied up in a beautiful bow when it was revealed that like um, uh, Vagrant Story actually takes place in Ivalice, which is the same world as Final Fantasy XII. So, it is a um, officially uh, it was released sort of almost out of weirdly out of the blue you people actually thought for, for a while it was just disconnected from it but there was just enough elements maybe with some item descriptions or certain things you just you, you your eyebrows sort of raised of like oh wait a minute is this uh? and then when they revealed that it was like oh by the way this is valendia and you look at a place like the knights of valendia on the map in final fantasy 12 you can see it right there there like under or like to the right or whatever of arcadia and um uh, Rabanaster and all these other places you just see it there Valendia and you're like holy shit Leomond is in this world you know yeah I feel like that's a really cool easter egg especially for kids playing you know Final Fantasy now yeah um you know if I I do feel like Vagrant Story is one of those hidden gems which um would really lend itself well to uh being remade not not a remake but just a an upgrade as in don't change anything except for the graphics. Well, here's now something I'm going to actually tell you at the same time as the listeners, unless you've already heard of Valentina, is that the studio who just completed um, the remake of the phenomenal Shadow of the Colossus, which we have an entire show dedicated to the artist who first uh, like created that and directed it back in 2005, whose name is Fumito Ueda. We have the Fumito Ueda podcast, and we're up to episode four of that, and five should be coming out after tomorrow, so with um, uh, the second uh, Colossus. We're going to go Colossus by Colossus on that one. But needless to say, this company, so Blue Point Games, made this amazing 
beautiful, respectful. Everything you're saying, by the way, uh, Tina, like it's it, it keeps the foundations of the original, but adds a fresh coat of paint, and that's um, borrowed by uh, one of our kind of uh, peers in sort of reviewing Death Stranding, which is another in another podcast we do. Yongye, mm. he said this about uh, Blue Point's um, uh, work, and he said, look, that's that is the essence of the greatest remakes is that they take everything as is and then treat it like a reno- uh, like a house renovation. You're leaving yeah. you're leaving the structure exactly intact. Um, however, the one thing I would request um, is oh yeah, sorry, I should complete my tease. So basically, <laughs> they yeah they are working on a new um, remake. Right? Uh, they haven't announced what, but they are working on one. And all yeah, so I'm I'm hoping we're adding to the sort of collective wish in the cosmos or in the collective consciousness of people who desperately would love to see um, or who would just be really really pleased to see Vagrant Story get remade. Um, I would love that. I think it's, yeah, we're going to dive into some, I have everything broken down in categories. I'm going to throw things to you regularly just for your impressions on them. I've sent you a couple of articles, which you're more than welcome to read along with me when we get ground to them. But um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't have hoped for someone uh, better uh, to um, sort of break into this new series with me, Tina. Um, Like we shared this experience back in, yeah, uh, gosh, almost 20 years ago. Um, It's yeah, something it's like crazy that. to think, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but <laughs> but it, it's, it's such a part of our childhood. Yeah. That game and other games, you know, on the PS One, um, it's just got a lot of memories, I guess, attached to it. It's true. But yeah, even more so. I, I really want to build on what your point you said earlier about how like it everything was added to from the simple fact that we were in an environment at the time like we didn't stay in Italy for long like our dad told us eventually that hey by the way even though in the intervening years I somehow blew that number up to like five years or five years no no we were there for like just over uh, a year and a half like well I've I've been in Italy for longer than you is and I kept on returning and stuff like that but like yeah I mean that snippet of of time was just a very precious kind of early mid-teens time of nostalgia you know the 90s kicking over to the 2000s for gaming it was a huge couple of years it was huge you know we're talking spyro crash bandicoot legacy of kane you know all like metal gear solid metal gear solid uh final fantasy just so many it was the Um, renaissance or something yeah it was that explosion Um, the ps1 the era of the ps1 was sort of starting to come to its sort of to an end, yeah. To an end, and you know, saying hello to the the PS2, mm. um, and you know, and then eventually the Xbox and blah blah blah. But um, right. you know, for those couple of years, I guess, have a lot of, I guess, really Emotional. cool yeah. gaming memories attached. Gaming <laughs> and then life memories too. Yeah, memory. Oh, yeah, of course. For sure, and and I I really broaden that out to life, like not in an overtly because again, for me especially, like um, yeah, I I was only there very briefly, you know, like for just just under two years is what my. What, it just what, had a, a it left a big impression on you. Though. It did, it did a big impression. Um, and it was great to go back recently, but it just it what it what it did is like going back recently made me realize like what really did resonate with me, and like mm. I dispelled a couple of narrations I had about like like, I mean you know I stayed briefly. 
Uh, and I, it, essentially, it was like this refresher of what, what really resonated with me. And so, like to my surprise, certain things actually were a flip. It was like when I went to Montefiore, I didn't feel too connected to the place itself because like I, uh, and, and like to the people there overtly, even though I, I'd stayed friends with them mostly, like it wasn't as crazily abiding and like gripped to, to the heart of me as, as, I had, as I had narrated and thought it was for so long. But what mm. I what, what sort of enhances like Vagrant's story in this context is that one of the, my my like most like as you've been saying as you've been looking at some of the material in preparation for this uh episode um this is like as i put it like i had shit to do <laughs> i had so many things to do and i just was spellbound i put on the no commentary gameplay at 1080p and i and like by the way there's no dialogue right and that is another testament it doesn't need it it's an, amazing yeah, exactly another testament to like being i just got enchanted by this game and the atmosphere and and now i was like this is is my leading it this is my one of my major experiences uh, I spent more time with Vagrant Story than any friends that I had in Italy I, <laughs> I, I've i spent more time playing it alongside you and then on my own obviously into the night and everything we were a little uh, bit loners um, we were. to give a bit of background we didn't make many friends in Italy because we were moving quite a lot still yeah. we'd only just gotten there in Italian time yeah. uh, as in you know we were, we were always the newcomer at the school so we kind of just kept to ourselves we did brother and, and, and sister that's right yeah and just kind of played video games yeah i remember that and, <laughs> and that's i mean that's like a symptom of of that as you said like nomadic yeah. kind of gypsy lifestyle that we lived you know yeah but yeah, could continue. Family for life. Yeah, family for life. And yeah, and, and but what it what it ended up doing is, and we've already teased it. You'll hear in, in the the bloopers, but we may as well say it now. The plan is to yeah continue love at first play. Uh, continue onwards. We have um, uh, Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver uh, as our next one. That we're just you know um, a couple of uh, people have since come out and and done shows like this where they go through the whole game and they um, and and they give their really like just adult impressions of like oh and. Like, like one one that stands out, which by the way, preface like I love them dearly. They are one of my favorite, and, and actually um, a, a touchstone for w when I sort of started putting interactive artistry together. Like a touchstone um, for the shape that we took with the sort of the the, uh, the direction and the kind of content and the vibe, um, where we take this kind of more in depth look and these these wide ranging wide ranging discussions. But all respect to them both. So Cole Ross and Gary Butterfield from the um, uh, uh, yeah Bonfireside Chat and sort of the Duckfeed Network. They do this retrospective on um on Sol Riva and he was like I'm gonna come at this now uh from an adult point of view and he, he kind of essentially to put it kindly like tore it apart and he's like the, <laughs> the, the the controls are infuriating like platforming was a nightmare and I'm like that's real and so I'm gonna acknowledge that but at the same time like my my vibe and I'm totally respecting his but my vibe is like I I I accept and, and I, I don't find it as, as like distressing and it's totally fine that it's distressing for them in their way or whatever and more than happy to hear different perspectives on what may have frustrated people about like because we're going to get feedback on this episode from listeners um, mm. and it'll be good to hear, hear their sort of their stance on things but um, but yeah I kind of like the idea of like you and I going through these things with like this and that's what the title of the subseries is Love as First Play like the whole it's going to be pretty pretty positive vibes as we go through Hey Yeah and I, I guess um for, for my part, I'm, I'm going to try and make a distinction between what my nostalgia is for that game, what what my impression as a kid was, um, and what I think of it now, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep those separate. Exactly. Um, but uh, for, for Vagrant Story, um, 
oddly enough, they're pretty much the same. It's it's very strange. Vagrant story in particular. I'm not sure whether it's the you know it's uh, it's timeless qualities with its story. Um, yeah. It's uh, you know it's it's a it's a byproduct of Final Fantasy, I suppose. And and something that I have noticed in Final Fantasies is that it doesn't matter how how early the game is, you know, or how good the graphics are. Um, especially with the earlier games, I feel like they're rewatchable, replayable. Yeah. Even now. They have the um, timeless that's, quality. That, that's what I felt with game with game of Thrones. Um, with the vagrant story. Oh no, please, that's a that's a very intentional slip because I'm telling you right <laughs> now, like again, the sort of cobblestone streets, the uh, the medieval setting of Game of Thrones, like it's this. Th that's why I'm saying to if anyone from Bluepoint is listening, which I know that there's a chance of because we do have familiar aware podcasts, we have had um, uh, sort of tweeted them and everything from there. If anyone from there is is listening, uh, maybe if it isn't for this current one because I know that you're already developing it, but um, please keep that in mind because the consciousness right now of like fantasy being on the rise um especially with like the legitimacy of game of thrones as like no tongue-in-cheek no irony like it is a legitimately dramatically beautifully valid um like uh you know tv series that it takes place in this fantastical setting which in many ways a uh, vagrant story almost seems like if it's if it would be at all cosmically possible, like a weirdly, it feels like a blueprint for how to do grounded fantasy. Because um, the unit, like for example, like like if you compare palettes uh, between something like Final Fantasy VIII and Fire Vagrant Story. Um, Final Fantasy VIII and Seven and, and the other Final Fantasies, there's this, as much as sometimes they do have a set art direction, it's basically a kaleidoscope. Like you can come across all sorts of creatures of all sorts of different shapes and they vary wildly and they sometimes very goofy and everything. But like, I just, I don't know if it's maybe the, you know, the indie creative ether or something, but D.B. Weiss and, and um, uh, um, you know, the like, I call them the double D. I always remember that, like at least one of their names, but yeah, um, David David Benioff and D.B. Weiss who, who created and like wrote, wrote um, uh, Game of Thrones. Like, I don't know if it's, even possible but like you look at vagrant story you look at the language that they're speaking that the like and obviously some of this is taken from george R. R. martin and everything but the, like the, the aesthetics like it's this king's landing vibes like i and i'm not just like like loosely connecting these things listeners like look at screenshots from vagrant story compared to certain certain scenes maybe like for example in like um the citadel and mm -hmm. uh in the catagombs of the king's landing like it's straight up fucking Leomond, you know i mean even in the fashion and also the weaponry Oof. and the, the environment it just seems to blend so many different styles of fantasy um and kind of oh it looks like it could be historical in our own world but yeah. you know it oh, a, a little bit like um, game of thrones in that way yeah. you know you could look at a scene from game of thrones and say oh you know it kind of from you know the, those outfits in particular that they're wearing in king's landing that looks like that time yeah. period in history but not quite um, yeah you know, i mean look at joffrey exact, joffrey wears not, joffrey wears like a straight the doublets up and yeah the, you know the, the sleeves that uh, you know coming through the the different fabrics like they used to in in um was it 15th 15th 16th century england mm. um you know uh, i guess king's landing fashion kind of reminds you of renaissance like high renaissance england mm. a little bit um but it blends elements of earlier periods in time and you know you look at uh you look at the starks and they're very much looking like you know you know northern northern england oh, scottish yeah. highlands or um 
Yeah. Definitely, and, and I always and I when I yeah absolutely totally agreed on all those points, uh, Tina. And um, and when I think of just the, yeah, just if you once you obviously get out of the catacombs, which again we'll we'll be diving into this soon, um, because that's how to enter Leomond is through the sort of the, the cellars and the, the catacombs and everything. You emerge out, and it is like a haunted, um, slightly just like magic in the air, like pretty deserted streets version of King's Landing with a, a little bit more overgrown and a little bit more yeah. As Guildenstern says, like death is here, you know, um, uh, like people that, like creatures and, and people that die in Lermond, the, the soul, you know, that's like the soul is, is, is trapped and it wanders forever. And like, it's it's basically like almost like a cursed, cursed version of, of, of King's Landing uh, in a really interesting way. But for our listeners who may be wondering, oh, is this just going to be us sort of talking here and that? No, no, no. <laughs> Thought I'd assure you, I do this with every show. We sort of have an initial kind of exchange, and I will now go through what our segments will be, just to give you guys um, and gals and everyone um, some structure. So, what we always start this show with, in particular, is a thanks to our patrons who are supporting us via Patreon.com and also uh, uh, throughout, like the sort of um, network of interactive artistry, we have dedicated Patron.Podbeans, which is because we're hosted via Podbean. We have um, an inbuilt patron support system there, where a couple of people have very generously um, uh, sort of decided to uh, support us in that way. And so, shoutouts to Adam, shoutouts to Yusuf, um, to uh, Steve as well. Thank you so much to Philip, uh, Dragon's Mana legend, uh, who supports us at 15 per month. Um, he's an executive producer. He actually hosts with us. Um, and just to everyone who, who, who helps us, thank you so much. And um, uh, we'll obviously, uh, I'll explain a little bit more near the end of the episode about uh, Patreon and how much like we are at 100% listener supported show. And um, just needless to say, um, it's, it's, there's great appreciation there, honestly, from the bottom of my heart as well. So to, to say that, so that's where we start every show with that. Um, then we have a bit of housekeeping, which I'll go over. It's very little stuff, just about sort of the network and everything and timing and, and like uh, recording times and release schedules and such. Um, we'll jump into news, which there's very little of because, you know, I mean, let's just be honest, there's zero of right now because this is, you know, just um, a, re a recap kind of um, and a revisitation. But with, the, with that, with that, um, we'll have a speculation section in place of the news section where we'll talk about what if Blue Blue Point at E3, which is only 84 days away, Tina. What if they did this, and how fucking surreal would it be if that? Because it just feels perfect. When I, this clicked for me, Tina, like like 10 minutes before we started recording, um, <laughs> how insanely fucking, like how everyone getting up out of their chairs because there is this abiding love for Vagrant Story and, and this untapped potential as well, which we're going to dive fully into as well. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's um, it's funny that you should mention that it's only now popping out and that's because of social media and, yeah. you know, the internet. Back when Vagrant Story came out, the only way you'd, you know, talk to you know, people of similar interests was in person. Um, and, you know, as kids, I suppose, we had limited access to, 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 you know, chat rooms or things like that. But really, I don't I get the impression that it was as popular as, definitely wasn't as used as, as it is now. It definitely wasn't as easy as it is now to find people of similar interests. You type Vagrant Story into Google, into, um, into, you know, YouTube, and you can find Let's Plays, you can find people's impressions on it, you can find, you know, so uh, walkthroughs and playthroughs and yeah. Let's Plays and, and all that stuff that, you know, bring people together over the same subject. Yeah. Um, and kind of, I think that's why Let's Plays are so popular now is because, 
you kind of get to experience the game with someone, even though you're not playing it. Yeah. You're still you still feel like you're sitting there next to that person and laughing at the same thing that happens exactly. or you know the building tension of you know <laughs> you know your life bar going down and you know that there's something terrible around that corner and you know and even though it's a let's play you're still going to jump. <laughs> yeah. Um that's yeah. right. That's um, right. Yeah, no, and, I completely I just, agree. And it's it's great to see that you know people are looking back at a game like this and acknowledging how great it was and sharing how great it was and yeah, um, yeah I, I, you kind of have this um, and it's happening for a lot of games at the moment and I guess our little nerdy child heart always feels um, you know a little hopeful that the uh, the game creators the people in the industry the big people in the industry will will take a look at you know people's uh, people's reactions to older games and tap into that and, you know, try and, um, oh yeah, I guess inter interact with their audience. I mean, I mean, that's what's, uh, that's what happened with, uh, with, um, Shadow of the Colossus and, and Blue Point. Like that they, they, it's, it, and even it, Final Fantasy VII, didn't they? Yeah, they've announced am the I, remake. Am I wrong? No, no, Did no. They, the they remake did? is fully yeah. announced. Yeah, and you okay. definitely have to check out all the trailers for that one if you have it. Yeah, um, I mean that's a classic example of a brilliant game. That the only letdown for people trying to play it now is the fact that everyone looks like a Lego. Yeah, I know exactly. And so you want to do <laughs> the, the, the heart the of the story justice. Then. Yeah, exactly. Because we have the technology now to do that. Um, whereas back then. Uh, you kind of use your own imagination a little bit more. It's a bit like D and D, whereas you know you've got the game, you know you've got the the dungeon master saying, you know, you walk into this, you see this, you know, yes, that is a flat wall of very little pol polygons, but you know that there's beautiful rune inscriptions on it and stuff like that, and you mm. put it in your head. Um, and that's it's funny with Vagrant Story. I actually remember the graphics being really, really good in my head, and they're still I'm, amazing. They're still really good, and the way that they, um, basically what they compromised on was the fact that they were trying to have, you know, instead of having a, uh, a game where you had like free roaming, you know, you could roam a, a huge spance of area that, you know, wasn't very detailed, they kept you in a small, a smaller space. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Almost like it's not really a side scroller. It's more it's like not. a top scroller. And, and we're going to, yeah. Of, um, you know, the old Zelda games where you're looking top down at yeah. this one dungeon. You go through a room and then you're in another room. And, um, and there's still yeah, platforming. I mean, like I'm looking at the, 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 the playthrough here. Um, I'm actually, as, as we discuss, because um, I've got it going on the TV, as we discuss things, I'll probably like create little breaks and just be like, and maybe read some of this like, literally the Shakespearean biblical level beautifully written script which we have an article that we're going to go through about um but yeah no you're right and there's even a bit of platforming it's crazy like the you know with the floating platforms and everything so it's this beautiful amalgam beast and that um you know uh, interactive artistry like that like the whole the whole point of what what who, like what we are really is that we're, we're showing how multifaceted this medium can be in, in all its ways and all the ways it can branch out and evolve and it's like mm -hmm. The Vagrant Story itself is this magnificent cross-section of, of um, you know, different genres. Sorry, not genres, but different, um, uh, um, yeah, gameplay styles. And um, I suppose if we want to talk about genres in terms of like the mixture of like um, um, RPGs and like a bit of platforming, um, 
with and and it also it just really messes with um messes with strategy the, yeah a, and strategy yeah yeah it's, it's it's almost turn based but not quite yeah see and it's just a this beautiful indefinable beast which is great and, yeah and like, it's one of those games that you really have to sit down and go oh okay let's what, what's this about because yeah. it's hard to describe you know when you describe it when you read about it I was actually quite daunted when I was a kid I read the back of it and it was like oh okay I know. it um. It's like, oh, okay, it's a puzzle, but it's an RPG. Yeah, there's but puzzling it's strategy, as well. It's and it's nuts. action, and there's just, uh, will I be able to and learn And it's a course in Shakespeare. It's, it's literally a course in Shakespeare as well, you know? Will I be able to understand the language? Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it was one of the, the games that kind of helped me. Oh, uh, me too. Yeah. Helped our bilingualness. <laughs> it did. Like it, it actually. I've I've said this. You know, Mum tells the story as well about how it like we essentially learn English through games, and it's very much the case for me. And um, this one taught me. There's still names that I'll just come across. I was again, we're almost 20 years later, and I, I was sitting down to it, and there's still words that I I'm still learning from from Vagrant Story, which is which is a testament because I've like done a university degree in the meantime, and and like been exposed to all kinds of literature, written, written um, read lots of books, you know. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I'll quickly wrap up the rest of the structure. So anyway, so after news, um, which will be speculation for us, uh, we'll just be diving into our main topic, which will be um, yes, obviously Vagrant Story. Then we'll have um, if we've I don't think I've posted it much anyway, but I will go to the post that I did on Instagram to see if anyone chimed in in terms of community Q and A. Um, but if there isn't, we'll just sort of sign off then and there. Um, but let us dive in now, Tina. Sent you a few a few articles, but um, so it, like and everything is all in one place, which is really easy. So it's within that sort of Facebook chat that I sent you. So the first link that I sent you uh, was the gameplay uh, the, the the gameplay through. Second was the Forgotten Gems by. Ragnarok, who is actually one of our intended future guests, he actually um, chimed back to me. He, he wrote back saying that he'd be um, happy to do um, Death Stranding podcast, obviously when sort of schedules align and everything, which is going to be good. So shout out to Ragnarok for that amazing uh, Forgotten Gems that he did. Um, and then there's a story here that's like, make it biblical, have Vagrant Story, a change game localization. The only other thing I'd like for you to bring up now is the Wikipedia, which um, the Wikipedia article is actually surprisingly uh, a, a great kind of place to start to sort of um, as a guideline for discussion. So I figured we'd start here. Um, and yeah, here we go. All right, so oh. Vagrant Story is an action role-playing game developed and published by Square, now called Square Enix, and uh, an almost said Squeenix, sorry, um, <laughs> Squeenix. Uh, uh, for the PlayStation video game console. The game was released in 2000 and has been re-released through the PlayStation Network for PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita consoles, which means there are people out there right now playing Vagrant Story on like subways, which is amazing, uh, and like on buses and trains. Um, so Vagrant Story was primarily developed by the team responsible for Final Fantasy Tactics, with Yasumi Matsuno serving as producer, writer, and director. So, right then and there, it, it harkens back to the earliest Final Fantasies when it was all Hironobu Sakaguchi. He wrote, he directed, um, I think he also produced. So that's how this game has this consistency to it. It has this um, this feeling of like auteur, like uh, especially in the intro. All you need to see is the first couple minutes of Vagrant Story to understand that this person had very, very um, defined uh, stylistic and um, storytelling goals. And uh, I actually would put the intro uh, sequence of Vagrant Story up there with the most cinematic um, and engaging and beautifully written and suspenseful and incredible uh, action-packed uh, multi-dimensional just fucking flabbergasting phenomenal intros out there um, for any game any yeah. game are you fucking kidding me over this <laughs> oh 
it does an amazing job of introducing a really large universe in just a few short minutes just bam 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 information but not bombarding you no it's kind of you're you're you've woken up in this world and you're learning things i don't know that's that's what it felt like for me strike strike that outburst from the record oh my god so many moments which again they're great obviously to read them but i know there are people out there who are like we need to get some of yeah you know what it's my game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need to <laughs> see. Oh, Sydney, oh, Queen! I know. We need to see. So, uh, to make it full circle, we need to, um, in our minds, obviously, like Game of Thrones and Vigor Story have like zero connective DNA in terms of creative people participating, except for like, you know, um, the environments and some of the palette and everything. But I would love for there to be vagrants. Uh, sorry, um, Game of Thrones um, star, uh, cast members actually doing some of the voices. So I would love um, for uh, I don't know, like Sydney. Lost Thorot to be voiced by the guy who played Joffrey would be amazing. Just, just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that oh, out there. Oh, oh. Uh, I know. No, 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 no. But what about the guy who plays um, the brother, the Targaryen brother? Um, Tommen. Ooh, oh, no, sorry. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Viserys. Viserys. Yeah. Viserys. Viserys would be perfect. <laughs> he would be talking like that. He's even got. He's even got the hair. Oh, wow. We're going to actually do a bit of a um, uh, wishlist casting uh, further into the episode as we go through the, all the characters. So Yeah, and uh, go through a cosplay wishlist oh, that's been you, updated. You better believe it. Okay, so continuing on, we have, uh, yep, so the uh, artwork on the front of Vagrant Story when it was released was is called The Summer of Adventure, which is by... Um, uh, by Akihiko Yoshida, one of my favorite illustrators, uh, artists of all time. Um, and yes, so it had two discs, uh, obviously, at the time. So it was a two-disc game back when, you know, you young kids now, uh, you know, we're moving away from discs now, obviously, with PS5 rumored to not even have um, a disc driver of any kind. Um, uh, yes, Act 1 and Act 2 of game. Yes, indeed. Okay, so, and by the way, little vignette, I'm going to open a brackets here. Um, oh, the playthrough, sorry, to interrupt my interruption. This is um, uh, Ashley doing his uh, flashback when it's all like the palette totally changes and it's like, Papa! You know, and uh, it's like the the you know it's the dream sequence where he's all grayed out and like there's just like the blue sky and it's like his son. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I'm that's just... that's really well done. Cause, Ooh, yeah. shivers. shivers. I know, I know, shivers, shivers. But anyway, so because I've got the game plan, I'm just gonna leave it on the TV as we go along. But anyway, yeah. So um, what was I in the middle of? I had interrupted myself to say yes. So um, yeah, I, I was talking about the different discs, right? So Final Fantasy VII remake. I I, I actually had to sort of take a moment to process whether or not I'd actually read what I'd read. So basically an article came out saying, um, uh, shock, you know, controversy, Final Fantasy VII Remake will be released in installments. And I'm like, motherfucker, uh, the first game was released in installments. There was discs, <laughs> all right? Because they had this big thing of what, like- Were there four? Uh, there were four discs. You know, yeah. and and like a lot of people, a lot of people argue like, well, you know, if they're charging a sixty dollars each, I'm like, they won't. Believe me, they won't do that. That would be su that would be marketing suicide to charge full price for each individual part of the story. So you can relax now because, and it was just this portrait of entitlement from nowadays of like, aren't I going to get this entire, almost like close to photoreal experience all on one disc? Like I'm appalled. It's like motherfucker, <laughs> you know. <laughs> also, we swear on the show. It's fine, Tina. Um, uh, you can bleep like, me out with a sound bit of a story. No, 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 no. <laughs> like actually, the the hit sound effect. Whoosh, yes. Whoosh, yeah. Every time we say, no, it's fine. We like, I'm, I'm too, uh, not too lazy. What's a, What's a classy way of saying that I'm lazy? I am not 
uh, inclined according to my schedule to be able to do, go and believe everything. I don't know. Okay. Say whatever you want. I'm good. Like we're all good. And it's established on the iTunes as well that they're cool with us. So I'm doing that. But anyway, yeah. And I, and I just found that so like, what are you really going to say this? Are you really going to write article upon article and, cre and create this echo chamber of complaint and entitlement of like, Oh, that is not all in one disc. Uh, it's ridiculous. So, but anyway, uh, I'll, I'll digress. So, um, or rather, I digress. Uh, so yeah, back then, uh, games came up, especially when they were as sort of expansive uh, in scope as um, Vagrant Story was, they came out on separate discs. Okay, so developers by Square and Division 4, are published by um, Square, Square Electronic Arts, and Square, so very much an in-house um, operation. Um, we had director Yasumi Matsuno, programmers Takumurata, whose credits include, I always want to shout out the, dev the devs because they get hardly any love, um, so gameography, uh, Final Fantasy XII, technical supervisor. Um, as as we'll go along, listeners, you'll know that like Final Fantasy XII, and I mentioned it earlier with, with Sylvan when I was talking about um, the, the staff that is shared between these two um, games, you'll see they're basically siblings. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics, he was a main programmer, um, and yes, Secret of Mana, he was a character um, algorithm sort of um, programmer right thing okay so um, artists we have Akihiko Yoshida who's a legend to me amazing um, who has done artwork for yeah a number of titles including Final Fantasy 14 online um, do you know any people who play Final Fantasy 14 online Tina? It's beautiful, uh, with like Stormblood and all the all the latest stuff happening. It's it's incredible. That's one of the older expansions actually, but um, really really great. Uh, and yeah, his sort of his art his art style is very very distinctive. It's this sort of again sepia sepia tinged. Um, looks like a bit of like watercolor sort of thing like you could come across his art in like a grimoire you know um that's kind of the, the vibe that i feel so um so yeah so just but to shout out hiroshi mingawa he um worked um on uh, ogre battle the the march of the black queen tactics uh, tactics ogre which was an offshoot of uh, final fantasy as well um and then re literally from there it's all final fantasy so he go he went nine he, he got special thanks actually on that one on 12 he was a director visual design character texture so again um, and then all the way to Final Fantasy XIII, uh, another Tactics Ogre title of Realm Reborn, Heavensward, so again, and all the way up to Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, where he was a supervisor on the remake, um, uh, or rather the, the, the retouch, as you said, Tina. You know, they don't necessarily need to go all out and do a complete brand new remake change of the battle systems or anything. I think I'd be just as happy if they did what they recently did for Final Fantasy XII, which I'm sure you know about, right, Tina? Like the, the remake they did of XII? They did a remake of Twelve. Yeah, it's called. The Zod <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been that's a okay. little bit out of the Final that's Fantasy okay. that's world. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's fine. So they do. Uh, yeah, they did that. So it's incredible. Um, that's really cool. I'd mm -hmm. like. I'd like to check that out because I liked Twelve. Twelve is one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, Hitoshi Sakimoto, amazing composer. Uh, just yeah, like. Yeah, when I when I, I I try to be obviously articulate and just like you know always always have the ability to sort of express at least in, in some kind of measured you know uh, just like cogent way how I feel but like especially with music and thinking how fucking powerful this man's music is like right right from the beginning like the the fire dancer it just Tina come on like what other what other game like immediately seizes you and you just hear you know like uh, and the wyvern and like it's it's crossed all of this like intercut with like Ashley getting his arsenal ready and like drawing back his like bow gun and everything. Yeah, well, I guess with the lack of speech, they kind of express a bit more through the music. Yeah. As well, and the and the text. So the language that you'll see in in the um, 
you know, in, in Vagrant Story. It's very it's Shakespearean. It feels like you're watching a, a, a play at the theatre. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, this, um, this could all be an the, opera. It really could. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I sometimes wonder if Vagrant Story would lend itself to a movie. Mm, yes, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. Maybe, maybe even something animated. You know, like uh, they did. Uh, uh, animated, but, I agree with. Yeah, yeah that would make a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would make a good anime. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, kind CG. of like Kingsglaive. So yeah. CG, CGI, or um, or even animated with yeah. that that art style. Oh yeah, yeah, with Brotherhood. Like you know. actual, I'm talking about yeah, you know, pencil and paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pencil and paper. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, meh. I like that. No, no, I, and I agree. And the reason I said Brotherhood there is because you know I figured since you mentioned you, we were talking about Gil uh, Kingsglaive with Final Fantasy Fifteen, um, they did this uh, the universe sort of the compilation of Final Fantasy Fifteen, so to speak, and they had this animated series, um, uh, you know that that was it was called Brotherhood. I think it came in four or five parts, and it was anime, you just but just of you know Final Fantasy Fifteen, and I could so see um, something being done. Uh, I think as we go along, Tina, I wouldn't be surprised if we come across if like they did a manga version. Awesome. We're going to see all the sort of stuff that. Um, uh, well, there is a there is a comic of yeah. Vagrant Story. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. They, I knew it. Is it there? The um, can't remember where it is. Mm -hmm. You can jump I, on I your smartphone and, and look things up as we talk. That's what I always do, just to kind of yeah. bolster. Yeah, exactly. But no, they, they definitely did that, and it sort of showcases the art style a bit more, and you can tell that you know, I guess the the art and um, the artist's vision. For, for this for this universe is, yeah. is really it's a really big part of the game it's huge absolutely so um, wrapping up um, all the work that uh, uh, Hitoshi Sakimoto has composed we'll go obviously you have uh, Final Fantasy um, 12 which I've sort of said uh, um, earlier with a number of the people from the team of Vagrant Story working on that game too so 2006 he did that one there um, um, Final Fantasy 12 Revenant Wings so um, and then Final Fantasy Tactics so all these works taking place in Ivalice what I'm gonna say right here is that this man is like the the music of Ivalice right um, when you have a, a Final Fantasy set in that particular world um, that's that's what you have there and in fact we're gonna actually we're actually gonna touch on how when it came to designing 12 uh, I believe there was a staff shake-up while that was happening and um, Hitoshi Sakimoto uh, the composer um, and the director uh, Yasumi Matsuno um, they, uh, they they stepped in they really like they, they made this thing their own and um, Final Fantasy XII is close to being my probably my favorite Final Fantasy right after nine. So it's those two for me um, because they they completely they took this risk of just you know um, going medieval again, which was um, you know after eight uh, and ten and, and eleven was fantasy as well, but it just had this very unique style and it definitely for some people were like oh. Final Fantasy X was the last of the classic Final Fantasies, and twelve was a bit too different for me. For me, um, it was just this. Hey, I won't, I won't lie. I'll, I'll, I'll admit. I'm not afraid to admit that when I played twelve, it didn't feel like the other Final Fantasies I'd played, um, because there was no Nobu Uematsu, there was no Hironobu Sakaguchi, the people who like looked after maybe essentially Final Fantasies one through ten. But um, it just felt like a renew. It just felt like something new, and I was like, "That that works for me." I didn't I didn't feel too alienated for too long. And then a couple of hours into the game, when I was looking at like the amazing Tina, do you remember? We'll probably do a Final Fantasy twelve episode, you and me, at one point. But do you remember like the fucking the sense that like the especially it carried the same thing as what Final Fantasy sorry what uh, Vigrid Story did, which was the script. Like it, it felt so like old, like like um like Shakespearean as well. You know, like the the way that people mm. spoke. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it did that as well, and um, just yeah. Well, that's something I noticed as well in, uh, in in Legacy of Kane as well. It was very, you know, yeah. theatrical. So we we I think dramatic. You know, I I tell you, you know, Ray. It my was pa- like reading a gothic. It was. It was gothic. <laughs> yeah. yeah I can't think of any better way to like Baruch, Baruch, exactly. And, and and so what I wanted to say is that um, we've well, got voice actors like Michael Bell and Tony J. Oh my god, voicing it, you're like, oh, so good. If I if I'm uh, if I jump to certain parts because when I'm checking out the edit, I sometimes jump in throughout. And if I come across this part, I will definitely take a moment to add some like Tony J. dialogue right here. Um, but yeah, no, phenomenal. And what I wanted to say is like, yeah, Ray, you know, um, my, yeah, my partner, my girlfriend, she, she, she talks, she spoke to me, um, about like, um, cause she's been on the show, uh, on Death Stranding podcast to discuss like Samuel L. Beckett. She's been on God of War discussing like destructive father and son patterns and how to break, like this is to do with obviously God of War, which is, if you've seen any of the latest stuff, it's about the God of War and his son and like them sort of resolving their issues and like going on this odyssey together of sort of self-discovery and forgiveness and understanding and connecting with each other. But needless to say, like what she said to me was like passion leaves clues and like your sort of as I called it for her, and I sort I sort of call it the swirls mission, and this is a bit of um, uh, you know just a sort of cue listen, um, clue listeners in. So I have this uh, notion, I believe that everyone before they're born, they kind of have already something that they're always meant. There was like literally meant to do with their lives, and for you, I think it's cosplay, and for me, with interactive artistry, like like for both of us tina like look in destiny it's destiny because we we we, again and this isn't like arrogance or anything it's just like you trace you trace our history back our my fondest memories are of games and among my fondest of those fond memories are are playing games with you like like uh, soul reaver um banjo kazooie yeah absolutely um a vagrant story you know um, mario even and stuff like that and um and i think those formative those experiences were formative for both of us because i've sort of begun interactive artistry being what it is and i've explained what it is about the angle that it's taking of really celebrating the artistic legitimacy of the medium and everything and you're uh, is doing likewise for the the um uh, uh, sartorial side you know the, the the amazing and and like character inhabiting like that's i find I'm, i want to interview so many cosplayers if you know anyone who wants to be on the show who wants to like talk about their connection to their material yeah. that, that they, they forge this connection by creating uh by being the character like that there's there's a profundity there that i would love to um you know dive into and we've had uh, ronan cosplay actually he was our first cosplay guest on god of war podcast and he um trained he actually like changed his body to become kratos you know and that had a positive well, it's like actors, you know, like you've, got a, you've got a role to play and you get yeah. into this mind, okay, I want to look like that and you start, um, you know, I don't know, well, it depends, it, there's different levels, I suppose, of, you know, like, okay, he moves like that, all right, I've got to change the way I move because yeah. this character is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, it's, it's how they a non-human or a... Yeah. Or, or you know, just different to me. Or you know, when I was cosplaying, I cosplayed Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. You've got to remember, in your mind, you're actually four foot eleven, whatever he is. Yeah. You've got to move like a four foot eleven hobbit. Yeah. And because you're, you're change true your to mannerisms, the mm-hmm. and you know, um, or if you're cosplaying a villain, and you know, you know that you're. Yeah. Anyway, that kind of stuff. No, I love it, and I really and I really resonate with that. And it, it, you know, for a long time, I actually, you actually helped uh, like um, educate me and um, 
de-ignorantify me, if that's even a word, um, <laughs> on, on, on cosplaying because th there is such a connection that is made uh, to, to, to pour, like, like for example, Ronan, he poured like hundreds of hours into like the leather work of, of, of Kratos's um, outfit, you know, and you can't help but like develop a connection with the characters there. And I, as we're going to go oh, on a little... Yeah, mini... and like, yep. it's funny how you go through each part of the, sorry to interrupt, no, you, go you go it. through each part of the costume and you're like, you know, there's like a, a little story behind each item. Yeah. Uh, not just your own story, but like the character story. And for example, when I was making Marik Ishtar, um, you know, if you guys know Yu-Gi-Oh, he's one of the villains. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with a, with a back tattoo, just mm -hmm. like Sydney. Just like Sydney. Um, yeah. Oh, connections. Whoa. They have the same haircut. That's anyway. right. Um, but anyway, with, with that character there, I was making the, you know, the jewelry that he has, and I got to the earrings. And then I went back and read the manga and learnt that he's actually wearing his father's earrings because he was, um, you know, and in memory of him, I suppose. And I was like, huh. Yeah, that's right. You know, little things like that. Exactly, and like looking at Ashley now, I'm seeing all the gameplay right now, and like the character on a bit of a different level to you know, it's you know when you play a character, you know through a video game, you connect um, in certain ways, and when you're playing a character in cosplay, it's almost like it's it's closely tied tied to role play, I suppose. It really is, and, and to like yeah. even like in kind of like D and D, yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> like, like exactly. We're like portraying the character, you know, like um, yeah, acting, acting, ex exactly, and 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 it really, and that it really, um, sort of the the word play. I I had focused a lot on the cause, which is costume, you know, mm. um, but uh, the the playing of the character is it's in the name, so uh, it's cause play, cause play, costume, exactly. costume play. play. So you're you're doing both, and and that's so yeah, and I, I really like. I'm hoping. I mean, as as we go along, we'll probably do like Google searches ourselves and shout maybe a few cosplayers out who we've seen maybe portray. Oh, I've actually found a really a few good cosplays of Vagrant Story. I'll send them yeah, through to you. Please do. I mean, please do. Yeah. And I'll take this opportunity <laughs> to continue um, with our yep. sort of um, basically our introduction as we're still in the middle of. So here we go. So um, so platforms only PlayStation. So it was a PlayStation exclusive, um, released in Japan February 10th in North America on May 15th, and in Europe on June 21st. 2000 which places us uh, it, this actually gives us a good um, a good indicator of where we were at the time so for, for when you and I were in Ascolipiceno uh, which I will be including actually photos of in the description of this episode to literally summer show holidays you. bro summer holidays summer holidays we were it was we were we were the smack dab perfect audience for this perfect in the, in timing perfect timing and perfect setting we got, right? we've got our castle to roam around and we've got our video games to sit that. down and you yeah. know just yeah, we stay inside because Italian summers are warm. They're very warm, exactly. <laughs> and, and sunny. <laughs> and sunny. And so, um, l'estate, that's what they call the, 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 uh, the summer. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, listeners, I'll put uh, photos of, um, I'll call it uh, Ascoli Piceno, but let's face it, it's Le Monde. And then uh, I will I think show I might you... actually, yeah, I yeah. think uh, I might actually give you a few names of some Italian cosplayers and Please Italian do. gamers because yeah. Um, yeah, shout, it, was a game, it was a game that was really popular in Italy. 
Absolutely, yeah, oh, and that's really great as well. And and I think again, it, it added to. Um, I mean, it wasn't just us. This is we're just two people on a podcast right now. But our story is probably likely the story of many thousands of others who were in that same um, uh, town or in that same uh, like in, in Italy or even France, or especially you know Le Mans. There's that aspect of like the you know it sounds kind of French there, you know. So, but again, these these places in Europe that that has have held on to their. Um, they're, yeah, they're cobblestone streets, and they they made sure that that heritage is still alive. And um, uh, the team actually, I'll read it in the development. Actually, they they went to uh, um, they went overseas from Japan to, to do the research. But uh, but yeah, so that was then, and um, I distinctly remember it's one of my strongest memories of going to this story, which either was Milakarote or, or another place. And I remember um, the vagrant story with the demo was playing in the screen on the little black TV there, um, and I played two games there because you were able to play uh, just just you were able to just go there and um um yeah and just you know how they they have it like a game stops and everything they have the controller there if you wanted to play it and it was the same back in the, uh the late 90s or early 2000s or whatever and so vagrant story was there i don't know if it was a copy that you could actually buy or whether they actually had an advanced copy that you could like experiment with and then if you liked it then you could sort of put your order through to to, to order it but i played two games one was um the very first tony hawk pro skater i just tore my tore things up with that i was going up and down um, oh my god! So good, so good, pixelated, tastic, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, very go. closely related. Do you remember aggressive inline skating? The music that was in those, you know, skating games. Anyway, hey, hey, Tina, Tina, listen, don't sweat the technique, okay? Don't sweat the technique. All right, that's the that's the intro song. Don't sweat the <laughs> technique, okay? All right. I won't. I, I won't. Okay, so, and I'm there, and I'm playing this thing, and this is, this is, I don't know if, I mean, I've, I've, I have really, like, like, emotionally resonant memories for, for a bunch of things, but, and, like, Star Wars and all these things are, like, part of, like, the core of who I am and everything, but here's the thing that, like, jumped out at me the most, and that any time I look at Vagrant Story is the lighting. The lighting of this game has, it's like, it's, it's like the entire development team took some kind of maybe like they just drank some kind of like deadly nightshade weird mixture that that took away the the um their life no no that took away like so, <laughs> no no that took away any 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 notion that they were like restricted by the current technology they it just mm. like so many games they're like oh whatever lighting uh, they just sort of they focused more on the textures they focused more on the voices on the animation but the I I will I'll say it right here. They were really good at focusing the, yes. the, the audience's attention. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then you know you play the the start, and I remember because when I play, you know, when I when I boot up a vagrant story or when I play the the, the no commentary playthrough, there's a certain shot that you'll see. Um, listeners, if you remember, uh, and you Tina as well, is they're outside. So it's um, Merlot's and uh, Ashley. They're um, it's out, they're outside Duke Bardova's manor, and they're just talking in the trees. And it's a super, by the way, cinematically filmed as fuck. Like, like they again, they had no like. This is what I fucking respect about this team is they they didn't at any point say, oh, we're just a game. We're just all oh, pixelated. With the, the mouths aren't even moving. That like, uh, or, or like, like uh, they're not even lip sync. They had none of that. It's like the whole. Team Team took this like special fucking swig of this one like like Asterix and Obelix like they they drank of this potion the whole team that worked at Square Enix they're like of this sense that we don't that there's they were not limited by their platform at all they're like we don't care we we're gonna we're gonna tell this story the this and do this intro like 
fucking Tina, do you remember when Ashley, like, you know, Merlo's just like, we should wait for reinforcement. And Ashley's like, reinforcements? I am the reinforcements. reinforcements. You, know? you can imagine it shot like a movie. Like the a way movie. that they've shot it is it's very cinematic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, I, I think that's why it sticks so well in our memories, because we actually have the movie in our mind, you know. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Oh, who do you reckon would be a good uh, good actor for Ashley? Um, for Ashley, I... 90s I, Brendan Fraser. 90s Brendan Fraser could be, could be. Yeah, he's got that <laughs> sort of not. thick, he's got that thick kind of build. But for now, he also has a bit of like an Ethan Hawke kind of thing, but Ethan Hawke's a bit old for now. Uh, aging gracefully, aging gracefully. But um, who would I put uh, there? He's. I'll, I'll figure something out. I mean, every... All, all character designs across all these Square and Konami games in the late 2000s, so early 2000s, late 90s, were essentially David Bowie, so everyone is David Bowie, so we just have to think Ooh, about it. Sydney Lossard is David totally Bowie. David Bowie. Um, thank you so much, Tino, for sending me uh, all these amazing cosplays um, from amazing cosplayers, which I'll shout out. But um, you've given me a chime about availability. Um, if you don't have, uh, if like you just tell me how much time, I'm happy, I'm happy to take it from here uh, with the listeners um, and uh, kind of go through the rest of the segments if that's cool. It's up to you. It's zero point. Okay. I mean, it can stay maybe. Well, I don't know. Like, what, what do you? What do you? What are your plans uh, five, now? Are you going it, through a different topic? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so what I was going to do is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going super long form on this. So you can, um, you can duck out, um, which okay. is totally cool, and then I can just sort of cut away, and it's too easy. But um, yeah. So, what do you reckon? Five more minutes or ten more? Or what do you think? T ten more. I'm cool with. Okay. Ten yeah. More. Let's go. Is that, ten more. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll read through. Because I mean, I mean, you're the you've um. Yeah. You know, I, I want to give my impressions as best I can and everything. Yeah, and you have been be weaving to... them. You've been weaving them uh, all throughout, which is really good. You know, which I really appreciate. Uh, is, is that is that what you sort of meant that you but you yeah but yeah. like there's a lot that's going to be involving more like the listeners now. So I think that's yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good to... Yeah, maybe 10 more minutes and then you can absolutely like bow okay. gracefully. Yep, yep. So Okie dokie. So, here we go. So, genre, action, role-playing, and mode single-player only back when there was no such thing as, um, you know, uh, online multiplayer or anything like that. Which, again, you know, it's, some people suits people. I'm personally single-player mostly, but um, I think Red Dead Redemption might change that later in the year. Who knows? Because Red Dead Online sounds amazing. But anyway, so... We begin by describing what it is. So the game takes place in the fictional kingdom of Valendia and the ruined city of Le Monde. The story centers on Ashley Riot, an elite agent known as a risk breaker who must travel to Le Monde to investigate the link between a cult leader and a senior Valendian parliament member, Duke Bardoba. In the prologue, Ashley is blamed for murdering the Duke and the game closes the, discloses the events that happened one week before the murder. So there you go. So did you know that, by the way, Tina, that uh, everything we play in the game is like a prequel? Every, the whole game? Yeah, so I'll read it again. In the prologue... No, actually, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually, mean, yeah. I guess that I've got um, selective memories of, of, of that game in terms of storyline. But yeah, I do remember that it was it was something that you're regaining your memory yeah that's yeah, yeah. There's, there's moments when when you succeed against the boss it's like actually remember this actually remember that um I mm -hmm. at least i think that's the interpretation anyway as we go along so um vagrant story is unique as a console action adventure role-playing game in that it features no shops and no player interaction with other characters instead the game focuses on weapon creation and modification as well as elements of puzzle solving and strategy the game received critical acclaim for gaming magazines and websites this by the way tina this is an edit editorialization from my part this 
explains uh, why they had um, so many, so much more like sort of disk space for other things. So they didn't have NPCs. Uh, they didn't have like. Um, uh, like voice tracks so they were able to dedicate all that power to things like lighting um, uh, which again I didn't really get through my little thing but basically as they're sort of talking about um, the they're outside of Duke Bordoba's manor um, when the blaze fires up you actually see the light um, uh, actively uh, in real time uh, you can see it light uh, up their faces light up their faces exactly so and I just I, that blew my fucking mind when I was in uh, 2000 in that Italian store and I was like uh, like well you gotta remember it's the PS1 it's, it's the very, PS1 it's so it's, it's on the PS1 this is cooler world we're talking about the cooler world platform like I mean I'm sure there's a lot more people who remember um, Metal Gear Solid think of pretty much uh, that kind of uh, you yeah. know the first Metal Gear Solid a lot of people of cite that one cite that one is like uh, one of their breakthrough moments and uh, also Tina shout out as I'm watching the close play sorry the, the playthrough um, uh, there's a, an item called a Braveheart and an item called a Tovarish you remember mm. that? Yay! These words are just like embedded, so is, yeah. embedded <laughs> in our psyche. But anyway, so okay. let us go through. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so gameplay is a solo action. So, Vagrant Story is a solo action role-playing game in which the player controls Ashley Riot from a third-person perspective while exploring Lermont and the catacombs underneath. The player may also switch into first-person perspective to allow for a 360 view using the start button or right analog stick on the game controller, which was again super surreal when you and me found out about that. It's like what? What? Because <laughs> we're playing we through. Can... Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And do you remember, Tina, what was it like when you you and I actually discovered that you could do combos? Like, we were like three-fourths into the game. And we didn't it even did... fucking know. Yeah. Uh, we took a little while to... Maybe we didn't pay attention at the, at the start, maybe, of how many combos you could actually do. Yeah. But once you get into it, like, um, that's one of the great things about the... The battle system is it, it com combines like strategy game with almost like, yeah. you know, you really need your um, coordination skills and it, right. it does become almost like a rhythm game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Patak! 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 You're relying on the sounds yeah. and the exactly. visuals to like time your next move and yeah. That's yeah right. that's that's right, that's right. So characters and sprites are proportionate with each other and the player navigates Ashley on a three-dimensional field map. That's something I really loved, by the way. God, the fact that there were no cheapification, I love that so much. So, um, not that I have anything against cheapies, it's just my personal style. Okay, so navigation is in real time and areas accessed by the player are stored in an in-game map menu. Ashley can run, jump, push crates and cubes to navigate around obstacles, adding puzzle and platforming elements to the gameplay, which literally, like, Final Fantasy did not do that. They had, like, uh, at, that, at that time, at least Final Fantasy IX, they just had very, you know, very minimal puzzle solving stuff. Um, definitely nothing to do with platforming extensively because there's just, with that 2D background, you can't really do that. So, but anyway, um, and so during the game, the player must sometimes solve block puzzles to advance the story. And when the player returns to a completed block puzzle room, a time attack mode called Evolve or Die begins. Players must reach the end of the room in the shortest time possible, after which they are ranked. This stage is optional and can be turned off from the menu. In the field map, players can engage uh, the enemy as soon as they enter battle mode, which uses a plausible real-time combat system, much, much like Square's Parasite Eve. In battle mode, when the player taps the attack button, a spherical grid appears around Ashley. Individual body parts within the sphere can be targeted. The battle system uh, involves the player chaining different attacks known as chain abilities to achieve large combos and deal damage to the enemy. This is done by pressing buttons in timely succession, making combat resemble a rhythm game. So shout out to Tina, who um, is basically said that. 
<laughs> uh, in addition to chain abilities, defensive abilities allow Ashley to reduce or reflect damage or avoid status ailments. Ashley also gains break arts, which exchange uh, his hit points for increased damage. Um, and yeah, magic and vagrant story is learned later in the game using grimoires that are dropped by enemies. Once a grimoire is used, the magic spell associated with the grimoire will remain in the menu, and players only need to spend magic points to cast a learned spell. Magic spells can be used to attack, heal, create status effects, and manipulate Ashley's elemental and enemy affinities. Uh, certain magic spells allow the player to affect multiple targets by using a small sphere positioned within the battle mode wireframe. Unlike physical attacks, however, magic attacks cannot be chained. Right, so risk is an element uh, in the battle system. A risk bar is placed below the HP and MP bar, representing the risk points the player has accumulated, and I will crack onto all of this in my own sort of thing, because I still want to use this 10 minutes to their maximum while I still have you here, Tina. So <laughs> I'll jump into it. Yeah, exactly. So um, what I wanted to ask, uh, as sort of your kind of closing thing mm -hmm. because um uh and by the way like as we go through freaking you know as you know um love is love at first first play kind of episodes we can jump back and forth with stuff and, and like it's very free form if we're in the middle of so soul reaver and we want to like riff on vagrant story we can do that too as well but anyway um i suppose what you can uh, leave us off with uh and me and the listeners is uh, what was your kind of favorite part of, of vagrant story and why do you think it's endured um uh, over these years uh, my favorite part, uh, I guess I could say my favorite level first, which yeah. would probably be the Snowflyer Forest. Oh, God, um, so beautiful. Which introduced a new element to going through that world in which you were essentially uh, like a bit like uh, Mirkwood, I suppose, or, you know, a forest. it's a forest. Yeah. Um, and uh, as the name Snowfly uh, suggests, there's these little, um, little, uh, little uh, insects that yeah. fly fly around and they you know even with the, the the graphics the way they were you could tell that almost like fireflies you know dancing around um, and it just had a really nice um, uh, you know Vibe. magical magical yeah not quite safe um, yeah not quite like you couldn't quite relax entirely definitely but again wasn't safe <laughs> yeah but but it had this weird lulling you into a sense of like making you almost fall Dangerous. asleep yeah, yeah like um, you knew that if you fell asleep you died yeah. kind of feeling um you know it, like the entire the, the sweet music was almost kind of lulling you into a sense that oh yeah sure this is safe a bit like a venus flytrap <laughs> that's right um but uh, yeah, I mean, it also introduced the new element uh, to that, you know, going through that world where you had a little section of forest to go through and then you had to go through another section and then it would take you back to the start or you'd get lost. Yeah. Um, and, That's yeah, right. And it, I will but, read uh, the storyline here from the wiki. Risk Breaker Ashley Riot goes into the Snowfly Forest during his investigation, ignoring warnings from Rosencrantz, which, by the way, is a super evocative cutscene how he's like, don't go in, and like Ashley does. It's crazy. And it's like, I'm going in. Yeah, exactly. He is trailed by Father Grissom and his two Crimson Blades, Fyndos and Lamkin. However, both of his men are lost in an earthquake. Grissom eventually finds his enemy, Sidney Losterot, and summons a demon to fight him. Sidney, joining forces with Ashley, defeats both the Crimson Blade captain and his monster. Sidney then uses his powers to unlock Ashley's hidden secrets about his family, Tia and Marco. Alright, so needless to say, Tina, we would love for you to st stick around, but you know what? Um, we will crack on, and it'll be really mm. great to, uh, yeah, maybe um, we pick this up. We can even, I don't know, divide it into a couple different parts, like, you know, Love at First Play, Vagrant Story Part 1, whatever. We can yeah, of course, do... or even go into it on your Instagram, like, yeah, you know, and just 
through posts and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's going to be so good. Yeah. But anyway, we will... Tie, um, tie it into your Insta. Indeed. So we will pause as we um, farewell uh, Sylvain and Cosplay. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thank you for asking me. It's uh, It was really great to, to riff on about this game with yeah. you and go through some memories and, yeah, great to be to, to come back and talk about some more games it's going to be really good so we'll um we'll fare, fare you well off into the rest of your sort of night and thanks no for, worries yeah thanks for joining bye signing off signing bye off. bye okay don't hang up yet don't hang up yet okay. all right <laughs> yeah exactly because because uh, there's always you're gonna oh, edit it i'm gonna edit it exactly so but tina thank you so much and on be honest like we could probably fucking talk about vagrant story for like 17 hours right no, I mean, I just wish I had the time to actually like, go know. through it, play I it again. I, I, I was so if, ambitious. I was like, Tina, that's it. We're, you know, I've got the movie Pacific Rim Uprising at like 9.15. We're going to do this. Let's do this. And I wanted to go through the entire plot with you. I wanted to talk about each of the I, characters' etymology. And well, like, we can do that like off, off, off screen, though, like offline. You know, no, as in, as got to capture not, it. Oh, yeah, okay. We can capture I'm, I'm, it. So fuck it. Fuck it. I, I'm, I'm officially doing part one on this, motherfucker. I'm going to do okay. part one. Yeah, we are, we are going to do part two. Maybe just cut it up there, I guess, and then we'll do another part two, like a part two or something. Yeah, all right. I will catch up because with you next week. I mean, like, I'm looking at the time. It's one hour 19. That's starting to be a bit long for a podcast. Uh, Tina, isn't it? Tina, we regularly oh, go. Yeah, we re interactive artistry's thing is that we always go into, like, like two, three hours, sometimes four. So it's oh, like, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just, just look at the feed like just go into your feedback and, and just sort of see what what engages listeners the most um, because obviously with no visuals um, yeah. you've got to create that kind of you know keep the pace up um, yeah. yeah that's right anyway, but Tina it is left on red in this country god damn you it's god damn you <laughs> radio, radio, radio sand radio sand <laughs> alright when I, when I go to Egypt that's what I'm going to do <laughs> fucking Aquatine forever alright um, Aquatine gonna live forever oh no you didn't alright Aquatine Aquatine won't never be cancelled Aquatine won't be dismantled alright say hi to uh, say hi to Dan Carmel dancing is forbidden Dan 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 dancing is forbidden dancing okay. is forbidden that's right take care and I'll catch up with you later Bye. Okay, bye bye. Take care, bye bye. idea of Kratos being able to change because of his child. That idea of how much of our selves, our real selves, we show our children and how much of what we do changes when we know we have a mirror reflecting our flaws back at us. But I think for people to really see truly that we were trying to do something different, we just had to zig when they expected us to zag. Teaching is kind of an important aspect of the game, passing on of knowledge from father to son. It's interesting because this character that we've been so familiar with, seeing him kind of start to make different decisions, seeing him struggle, he has this god side and this human side, two things that were never meant to coexist together. The son 
is teaching him how to be human. It's, it's bringing out that sort of closeted humanity that he stamped down. When we set out to build this game, we wanted to show gamers what the next generation of gaming was going to be like. It meant that we needed to build a new experience. The camera lenses we use are similar to the lens that we use if you were shooting a movie. Lens curvature on the screen because of the camera lens. There's chromatic aberration because there's separation of color that happens naturally through a lens. It's those imperfections that make you feel like something is alive. One thing that was extremely unique experience for me as someone who's done this with films, television, and books mostly, in fact, for some reason, the storyline as well as the philosophical underpinnings, when you're playing the game and controlling the character, or you know that the person next to you is controlling it, it sticks in your mind even deeper than a great work of literature or a cinematic a masterpiece. Well, that's the benefit of making this game, is that we knew we could leverage interactivity. We knew we could leverage mechanics It's something completely unique to video games. No other kind of form medium can get you to feel that kind of connection to another character. We wanted to create some very, very beautifully rendered, very engaging emotionally, choice-based game to have the tonality and the emotionality of the films. At every stage in the design process, hone in on the core value, the core thing, the one piece of, of meaning that we really need to communicate through this world of art. Video games have the capacity to connect people and help them share their feelings, their thoughts, that shows their true creative spirit. I think everything has is an art. Everything human does has a potential to express, and they are all art. have um, a design process that does actually start with an emotion. And then we try and take all of the elements, a story, but also the visual language of the game and the audio and the interaction itself to feed that emotional journey. Okay, you still there? Very awesome. Okay, say something. Crumpets! Oh, Jesus. Fucking don't mess with me that way. I thought, like, your audio <laughs> had, sh had cut out. Jesus. Okay, all right. Well, that's, co that's coming through nice and clear. So, you Go have, ahead. um... <laughs> you, you have, um... What's Crumpets from, by the way? Oh, my God! That Mitchell and Webb show! Yes, that's right. It's, it's oh, yeah, at the very end when they're, yeah, both, when they're both playing the Sherlock. Question. Two of the greatest actors of their generation, there's no doubt about it. But um, with that goes a certain amount of ego. Yes? So the only way we could get them to do Holmes and Watson in the West End was uh, if they alternated who played Holmes. <laughs> night by night. <laughs> One night Alec would play Holmes. So you see, Watson, the advantage of my unique powers of observation. And the next night it would be Michael's turn. So you see, Watson, the advantage of my unique powers of observation. And I suppose there was a certain amount of one-upmanship. So you see, Watson, the advantage of my unique powers of observation. I think that really added something. Well, I don't know how much the audience picked up. So you see, Watson, the advantage of my unique powers of observation.
when we came to make the film, uh, we were faced once again with the problem of which of them would play Holmes. But uh, I think everyone agrees we found a rather elegant solution. Not like you to be superstitious, Holmes. It's hardly superstition, Watson. I was merely acknowledging the power of fear and what effect that fear can have on the minds of the ignorant or vulnerable. Holmes, you're not seriously suggesting that the villagers believe... The story of the Phantom Wolf? Of course they did. Oblige me, if you will, old fellow, by fetching Madison's Witchcraft Almanac from the library, and I'll show you just how powerful a grip some of these old myths can have on people. Middle shelf, isn't it? Yes, just about the encyclopedias. Ah, yes, I've got it. Shall I bring it through? No, stay where you are. I'll join you. And, of course, they both felt very strongly that it was important to, to keep all of that wonderful energy that the stage production had had. That's not the Witchcraft Almanac, Watson, you clot! <laughs> and of course, as family men, uh, the film gave them a great opportunity to get their kids into the business. We can't think on empty stomachs, Watson. Let's see what Mrs Hudson has laid out for us. What have you got for us, Mrs. Hudson? Crumpets! <laughs> okay, ten minutes for lighting. David. Yeah. Is it possible? Yeah. Uh. What? No, it's all right. Well, what's the question? It's just something in this, but you're just going to be all horrible. No, I'm not. What is it? It's just, in here, it looks like. I mean, I mean, basically, can people levitate. Can people levitate? Oh, I knew I shouldn't have asked. Can people levitate? Don't just... I mean, it's no, isn't it? Yes, it is no. Don't think of that. <laughs> what? I haven't said anything. Don't have a go at me. You're the moron who thinks people might be able to levitate. It was very convincing. Can you levitate? I, I knew you'd be a... I'm just trying to get to the root of why you felt the need to ask such a humiliating question. <laughs> because I have the intellectual confidence to appear stupid sometimes. You're the thick bastard who has to pretend he knows everything. Well, certainly I'm sufficiently insecure to have felt the need to establish to my own satisfaction before the age of 33 whether or not humans can fly. That makes me a chippy little autodidact in your eyes, and so be it. I'm just not going to ask you anything ever again. Lunch in ten minutes? Uh, twelve minutes, you twat! <laughs> <laughs> the ten, twelve, uh, uh, don't know the difference. Don't know the difference between ten and twelve. Chicken Caesar. And they're both so playing Sherlock. Yeah. No, 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 that's not the sketch. The sketch is, um, uh, it's uh, Sherlock and, uh, and Watson. Oh, you're right. How they play, the, the between, as they walk between rooms, they swap, the actors swap roles. So, like, Mitchell dressed as Sherlock will walk into a room and then it'll cut away and it'll be uh, Webb dressed as Sherlock walking out of the room and <laughs> because they couldn't decide um, like uh, they, 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 they were very competitive actors that wouldn't 
like they wouldn't settle. They were like, oh, we came up with a very creative uh, solution, which I don't think the audience noticed whatsoever. And uh, and they were so competitive over the role of the lunch lady that they both play the lunch lady in like this um, double-necked and four-armed uh, outfit. And uh, the last shot of the sketch is, um, is, is, there, is them being going, what's for lunch? And it cuts to them, both of them in like in a, like the Knights of Knee, just like st strapped into this one gigantic, grotesque um, lunch lady's outfit. And it's like, crumpets! <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, awesome. Um, so am I coming through clearly? Yes. Can you hear me quite clearly? Quite, I can hear you quite clearly. Um, we are now recording. That's oddly. <laughs> yeah. You, you sound like AI. Very good. Would you like some more mimosa? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be um, calling you every fucking um, Thursday, Tina. So leave the fucking setup exactly as it is on your, on your, on your, um, on your laptop because we're gonna go. Guess what's, guess what's the game after this? Fucking guess, and I bet you you already know. Ah, oh, I don't know. Love at first play. Come on, what's the next one? What's episode two of Love at First Play? Episode one is Vagrant Story. What's the next one? Go. Oh. Come on. Let me just subtly, subtly check Instagram. <laughs> no, it's not. No, wait, it's not. I'm not. I haven't announced it yet. You actually legit have to guess. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, she's so close. Is it? Okay. Is it? Is it a nostalgic game it's that we play together? Just say it. You already know it. Just fucking say it. All right. All right. Oh, Legacy of Kane. Yes, you asshole. <laughs> It's literally the fucking jam of all jams. Um, and here's, ah! yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go three, two, one, and we'll just jump into it and capture all of this within the episode itself. But are you cool with me using um some of this as like bloopers and shit? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Terrificante. Um, how, how does my voice sound? Very good. Now, as long as there's no echo on my end, and I'll actually put your output a little bit higher. So just say something now. One, two, three, three, two, one, test. Yes, and how am I coming through? Very clear. Very clear. Fantastic. Loud and clear. Um, I'm just going to close my window just in case there's any, like, trucks or things that decide to, I don't know, or helicopters. Like, One like, sec. Exactly. Go for it. That is fucking terrifying. Okay. Um. Oh. I, uh... I wish I had a microphone, but I, I don't. You have a microphone um, on your earphones, correct? <laughs> don't you have right. a pair of earphones with a microphone attached to them? Um, uh, um, Carl Maybe. has them. Well, then go and fucking steal them, then. Fucking steal your earphones, then, eh? Yeah, won't you do that, eh? You bitch. Um, you bitch. Yeah, yeah, you're coming through pretty clearly, so we can proceed if you want. You're, if you're, um, but are you all cozy and settled and we're ready to, to dive in? I'm, I'm pretty cozy. Hang on. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. It's fine. Fantastic. If you awesome. can hear me, then that is perfect. I'm yazing. Okie dokie. Pretty good. All right. What's going on? Okay, quick. So I will... Um, crack on now and i'm just going to basically go three two one and from after the three two one that's going to be what's on the episode but i'll, I'll also include a little bit of uh, this is like bloopers and shit okay, sure. okay fantastic and then i'll send you the show notes afterwards actually you know what 
Maybe I'll show you, send you the show notes now. So one second, um, explore. If you send me the show notes, then I can have a like a kind of idea. Write some notes. And it, it's just it's go. just it's just the typical kind of show notes. Um, so, but for the rest, yeah, like, like I said in the in the um, in the chat, um, like on Facebook, um, we're just going to read from all the things. So yay! Uh, unlike yay. Uh, Wikipedia and all that janky dank. Sweet. So I just sent you like a PDF. You can have a look at that if you want, but that's the one we use. Okay. And counting down, and have a good show, Tina. Okay. Okay, and three, and two, and one. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Interactive Artistry, dedicated to showcase. There, let me try that again. Three, <laughs> and two, and one. Thank you.